Okay, so I'm going to do one more article here. Um, this one's going to be very interesting. This is again from Voyage Comics. Uh, again, it's another article about Batman. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I'm trying to get away from these comic books, you know, uh, for a while there because, you know, it can be very addictive to collect and buy these things. And I used to be pretty big about collecting them, but, uh, I've been disenchanted by the comic book industry and everything, but, uh, I like the articles. I like the, I like the fact that these guys are doing some great, um, sort of like comparisons here on the, the symbolism. And I think this is something that we do need, uh, to remind people why we like comics, why we like superheroes, especially the superhero. Superhero is very, very much an American thing. I mean, 1937, Superman came out, that beautiful cover, right? And by 1939 or 38, I think Batman came out. There's some controversy about Bob Kane and um, and the uh, creation of the Batman. And there's always going to be controversy about Stan Lee, about uh, him and his uh, his fellow creators, the artists and everything. But these things happen. Is you know you gotta expect it. It's not desired, but it's expected. Um, anyway, this is the Informed Catholic, and my name is Ned Jabbar, and I want to make a little correction. Um, the um, the last episode was episode fifteen. This is going to be episode sixteen. So, I'm going to make another article about this. This is again from Voyage Comics, and the author is Andrew Garafello. Garofello. Um, I'm going to spell his last name. G-A-R-O-F-A-L-O. All right. And the article title of this article is Gotham, Metropolis, and the City Set on a Hill. All right. Uh, Let's begin. Is the church like Gotham City, diseased and dysfunctional, and 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 in need of purification from within? Or is the church like Metropolis, virtuous and whole, and in need of protection from outside threats? Does Christ raise different saints within the church at different times? And if so, what can we learn about the talents and virtues of Batman and Superman as we make our own journey as the pilgrim people of God? A city set on a hill. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus tells his disciples, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. These words were spoken during the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus taught the Beatitudes and told his disciples, They are the salt of the earth. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 13. And you know what? I have to say with all honesty, when you look at the uh, the saints, the canon of saints that we have in the Catholic Church, I guess you could say that's kind of like our uh, superhero roll calls, right? When you think about it, you go to, it's true, different saints rise up in different times. And some saints actually knew each other and some uh, some saints actually Regardless of what you may think, they actually affect uh, the lives of other saints, even if it's across centuries. 
centuries to the past and centuries to the future, or across continents at the same time. And it's and it's the same continuity, right? The same universe that we live in. I mean, you gotta look at it. It's 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 true. Canonized saints and saints who are not in the canon. I mean, J.R. Tolkien affected the life of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis affected the life of J.R. Tolkien. G.K. Chesterton in, in, in influenced the lives of both J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Uh, Hilary Bullock knew G.K. Uh, Chesterton. They all, they all affect us in one way or another. And directly or indirectly, it's really great. This is a, this is a very good article. So, yeah, let's continue. Okay, so let's begin again from the beginning. All right, let's start again. In Is the church like Gotham City, diseased and dysfunctional and in need of purification from within? Or is the church like Metropolis, virtuous and whole and in need of, of uh, protection from the outside threats? Does Christ raise different saints within the church at different times? And if so, what can we learn about the talents and virtues of Batman and Superman as we make our own journey as the pilgrim people of God? A city set on a hill. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus tells his disciples, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. These words were spoken during the Sermon on the Mount after Jesus taught the Beatitudes and told his disciples, they are the salt of the earth. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 13. When Jesus talked about the light of the world, the city on a hill, he means the mystical body of Christ, the church, the new Jerusalem. Prior to Christ, God's people focused on sacrificial worship at, at the Jerusalem temple, a physical place following Christ's life, passion, and resurrection. The church becomes the focus with the Eucharist as the source and summit of our faith. Catechism from the Catholic Church, uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1324. The church is not a physical place, though we may worship God in buildings made of stone and wood that we call churches. The church is us, God's people. Catechism of the Catholic Church, Articles 781 to 801. In, in the Jerusalem temple, God dwelled in the Holy of Holies, the building's inner sanctuary. Now through baptism, God dwells in each of us, individual temples of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is, he's quoting now from Gospel of John, St. John chapter 20, verse 19 to verse 21. And he's quoting again the, Catholic, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Article 1265. Gotham City plagued by internal disease. This is interesting how all... Now, this is the third uh, author. This is the third author of, of, of an article from Voyage Comics. And the first one was, was by Julian Saikam. I, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. And he mentioned, he used the same metaphor of... of, uh, of Gotham City and Metropolis, Superman and Batman, the differences between protecting the ex uh, Superman protecting the external, Batman ex uh, protecting cleansing and purifying the city from within. This art, this art, this art, um, Catholic 
um, author is using the same thing. And this time, now we've gotten not just with scripture, but he's using the catechism, the Catholic church, which I love. This is great. The city, Gotham city plagued by internal disease. Gotham city is infested with crime, filth, and vice. The city's criminals pry upon the hopeless and, and the politician and police are corrupt. Gotham is diseased, but the city is not all bad. Batman, Commissioner Gordon, and their allies believe that the good people of Gotham are worth fighting for. They believe they that they can make a difference, so they remain committed to justice, even though Gotham seems beyond salvation at times. Is the church dysfunctional and diseased from within? Yes, always. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, and the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, 827. Okay, I probably should quote because he's not quoting every single uh, verse, but I probably should quote this. Hold on. All right, so this is from the Sermon on the Mountain, the parable of the weeds. He then proposed, this is Jesus' words on the Sermon on the Mountain, chapter 13, verse 24. He then proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and then went away. When the wheat sprouted and ripened, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants, this is uh, going to verse 27, it starts from, we're going to continue. The owner's servants came to him and asked, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from he answered one of my enemies has done this the servants then asked him do you want us to go and pull up the weeds verse 29 he replied no because in gathering the weeds you you might uproot the wheat along with them let them both grow together until the harvest at harvest time i this is continuing okay this is a good example I um, I then hold on I will tell the reapers to collect the weeds first and tie them in bundles to be burned then gather the wheat into my barn so you know a good example is Judas Iscariot a good example is the corruption of the bad priests, the abusive priests, the pedophile priests. A good example is those who um, who have their own personal interests. Uh, in government, you have good politicians and bad politicians. In families, you have good family members and bad family members. The the wheat with the we uh, the weeds together. All right, let's continue. I'm not going to I'm not going to go after the catechism. The Catholic Church will be too long, but let's continue. Metropolis assailed by exterior enemies. Metropolis is handsome, functional, and populated by good citizens, though Lex Luthor, based at LexCorp in Metropolis, is Superman's greatest enemy. Some of the most powerful villains who have threatened Metropolis came from outside the city. General Zod, Superman's enemy in the 1980 film Superman II, and also the more recent Man of Steel is from Superman's home planet Krypton, which is Zod. In Superman 2, Zod wants to take over Earth and slave humanity to serve him. In Man of Steel, Zod wants to 
terraform Earth to create a new Krypton and kill all human beings in the process. While Batman is focused on cleaning up Gotham from within, Superman has fought hard battles to keep Metropolis safe from outside forces. Is the church good and in need of protection from outside threats? Yes, always. John chapter uh, 15 verse 20 and 2 Timothy. I guess I should look them up, right? All right, here it is. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they, if they kept my word, they will keep yours as well. But they will do all things to you on account of my name, because they do not know the one who sent me. All right, so... This is Gospel of John 15, verse 20. So I guess it's a fair example. And then uh, Timothy. Hold. All right. This is, I found it. Look, I think it didn't take too long. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, persecution will afflict all who want to lead a godly life in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So this is this is pretty good. I won't go through the catechism. Okay, human and supernatural gifts. By saying his disciples are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, Jesus is telling us we are his saints, his heroes. St. Paul says we are called to use our unique gifts in the service of the church. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than one ought to think, but to think soberly, each according to the measures of faith that God has apportioned. For as in one body we have many parts, and all parts do not have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ, and individually, individually part, uh, parts of one another since we have gifts that that differ according to the grace given to us let us exercise them this is romans chapter 12 verse 36 and that's true when you think about it it's like in a, a family everybody has their own gifts everybody serves something sometimes there's mem sometimes there are people who think that they don't have any gifts they don't have any worth uh, a movie, Unbroken, uh, I just started watching it the other day. It's directed by Angelina Jolie, and there's actually a sequel someone did, uh, which is A Road to Redemption, about a um, um, an Italian-American um, immigrant who lived in uh, the Midwest. And he, um, he his brother, uh, he, he, the young kid used to get into trouble a lot. He'd steal, drink alcohol. Uh, constantly getting into trouble. Uh, his father had to whip him. His father was old school, and he didn't think he didn't think much of himself. He was constant. You know, he had a very low self esteem. So, the only thing he knew what to do was to get into trouble. And then one day, while his brother was doing track, this is right many years before World War II, he saw his brother running across the field. And his brother ran fast and he came up with an idea of helping his brother have his brother take part in the track field and find his gift to run. And, um, you know, they were constantly discriminated against by other kids because of their Italian heritage. They gave, used to call them horrible derogatory terms, but it's, 
um, his brother helped him, his older brother helped him find his gifts, his self-worth. And that's what Christ wants us to do. That's what St. Paul wants us to do. And of course, in the superhero, you saw in the last article how Superman helped Batman find overcome his fears and to find his his hopes, his what he hopes in, what he believes, the good he believes in. In a sense, that's what we're supposed to do with each other. Christ had Simon of Cyrene help him pick up the cross. And Jesus said, love one another and take care of one another. This is, this, is, this is a good example of it. I like what he's doing here. Let's continue. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit. There are uh, different forms of service, but the same Lord. There are different workings, but the same God who produces all of them in everyone. To each individual, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for some benefit. To one is given through the same Spirit the expression of wisdom. To another, the expression of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, um, uh, mighty deeds. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. To another, severities of tongues to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit produces all of these, distributing them individually to each person as he wishes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 11. I think a good example I would use how to understand this. You know how you have soldiers and they're in the same platoon and they're in a the foreign country or on a mission? Every soldier has a special gift. Some soldiers can read and interpret things without knowing a language, just by understanding the people's uh, expression. Another soldier can uh, maybe have the ability to translate, right? Another one has the ability to fix things. Another soldier has the, the gift of healing. Maybe he has medical skills. Another soldier can repair uh, a structure or has an engineering skills. Another soldier has uh, good negotiation skills and, and diplomatic skills, you could say. All of them are a part of the same platoon and they function as one body. They function as one system. They are many and they have gifts. They have gifts that they can, they can uh, uh, contribute. One may have the gift of uh, cooking and uh, distributing. One has the gift of teaching uh, the locals and helping the locals. Everyone has a function and a gift, and I think that's great. Okay, let's uh, continue. Okay. Um, okay, so, yeah. But one and the same Spirit produces all these, distributing them individually to each person as he wishes. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 11. Batman is, skilled, is a skilled martial artist and gadget nerd who is extremely intelligent and tough as nails. He has no superpowers per se. His talents are purely human in nature, developed through discipline, training, and focused study. Superman, on the other hand, possesses a number of innate superpowers that he was born with. Unlike Batman, who Bruce Wayne has spent a great resources creating, 
Superman has done nothing to earn the powers of flight. Heat, vision, invulnerability, amazing strength, etc. His superpowers are simply part of his nature. Each of us, like Batman, are given human talents, which are our responsibility to hone and develop just as well. Like Superman, each of his are given supernatural graces seen most clearly in the martyrs in times of need that we can do nothing to earn to earn both types of gifts human and supernatural are made possibly by god's grace we are expected to use these gifts especially when we are called by the holy spirit in service to the church uh, the church for the for the glory of god and to help one another i think he needs to also realize there are other gifts that Superman didn't develop on his own, that were nurtured, given to him by his uh, human parents, his adopted parents, Ma and Pa Kent, right? They, they taught him how to be a good human being. They taught him how to have positive uh, thinking, to see the good in people. Those are gifts and how to encourage people morally. Superman is good at encouraging people morally. And I think that's a gift that comes from his parents, comes from a humanity that had to be taught to him. And I think that's something uh, the author, I hope, I hope he touches upon it. Uh, let's continue. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Philippians, St. Paul's letter to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. The catechism, the catechism of the Catholic Church says, virtues are, virtues are dispositions to do, uh, dispositions which to do what is good. Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1803. There are human virtues that can be acquired through our own effort and strengthened by grace. And there are theological virtues that can only be attained through God's grace. Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1804. The last was 1803, 1804, and then 1812. Growing in virtue, especially charity, love, is necessary for our Christian journey. Mark, he quotes here, Mark chapter 12, verse 3031. As we grow, we learn that some of our virtues are uh, our virtues. We learn that some of our virtues are more dominant than others, and that while we might excel in one or more virtues, we may need to work a lot on several others. The same is true for our superheroes, which is one of the reasons we love them so much. Okay, let me look up that passage in Mark. All right, I found the passage. Uh, this is about the, the greatest commandment. I'll go back a little bit. Uh, twelve, uh, Chapter 12. I'll go back to verse 28. Then one of the scribes who had listened to these discussions and who had observed how well Jesus answered them asked Jesus, which is the first of all commandments? Of all the commandments. Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
There is no other commandment greater than these. Okay, so this is, uh, this is what he quoted here, and I think that's beautiful. I mean, I love the way he's knitting this together. All right, so let's continue here. As we grow, we learn that some are of, of our virtues are more dominant than others, and, and that while we might excel in one or more virtues, we may need to work a lot on several others. The same is true for our superheroes, which is of the, one of the reasons we love them so much. Batman's dominant human virtue is justice. Justice toward men to respect the rights of each and to establish in human relationships the harmony that promotes uh, uh, equity with regard to persons and to the coming good. He's quoting Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1807. Justice is what drives Batman to jump into the hand-to-hand -hand combat with a crowd of violent thugs, or to stand like an immovable statue in the face of entrenched organized criminals and corrupt politicians. Superman's dominant human virtue is temperance. Temperance is the moral virtue that moderates the attraction of pleasures and provides balance in the use of created goods and ensures the will mastery over instinct and keeps desires within the limits of what is honorable. A Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1809. Superman doesn't relish worldly pleasures and rarely loses his cool. He is almost always calm and he never abuses his powers. That's true. You got to look at it this way. Batman has worked so hard to to be physically superior in, in a, I guess, in a human way, disciplined and physically disciplined, uh, uh, you know, martial arts, uh, mentally. But along with that, there could also come uh, the temptations of lust. You know, he, you know, we know that he was seduced by uh, Raz al-Thalia al-Ghul and he wound up fathering a child out of wedlock, Damien. Um who has similar qualities of his father, right? You know, he's dominant, but he's also born to um, entitlement, to to wealth and power. And he's also, unfortunately, unlike his father, he is very haughty. He's very arrogant. Batman is born to wealth and power, but he realizes because of his tragedy how he could lose everything because of his father and mother. But he probably didn't work enough on uh, resisting temptation of sexual because it's very, it affects him. You know, he can easily be caught, like say he has attractions to Catwoman, who's a very beautiful woman. And uh, she's also physically, she's an athlete like him. And she has amazing acrobatic skills, athletic skills. And he could easily, you know, he's easily seduced by her. The same way he got seduced by Talia al Ghul, and the same way sometimes he can get seduced easily by um, um, Poison Ivy. Uh, while Superman has, can you know, is loyal to Lois Lane, and he doesn't get easily seduced. He learns to pull back. He knows his the danger, the the power. He doesn't always allow himself. He doesn't abuse his power. Each one has a balance. It's very interesting. All right, um, let's continue. Does the city set on a hill need Batman or Superman? The church or city set on a hill needs both Batman 
women and supermen and superwomen, saints. That doesn't mean we should become mass vigilantes or run around town wearing a cape. As members of the body of Christ, we should ask the Holy Spirit to help us discover and develop our unique human talents and also remain open to receiving God's supernatural graces. Through regular reception of the sacraments and constant prayer, we should also work to develop in virtue, especially the carnal virtues, so that we may put our entire being, our very lives, to service for the church when Christ calls us. We trust in God's divine providence to raise the, 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 the saints we need in the church today. But it is up to each of us individually to heed the call when distress signal appears in the clouds over the city or when through the, no the noisiness of life we notice the barely perceptible uh, cry for help from one of our brothers or sisters in Christ. All right, this is Andrew Garafalo. Andrew Garafalo, his name, G-A-R-F-A-L-O. Andrew Garafalo lives in Parkland, Florida with his wife, Julia, and their three children. He has practiced law for 17 years and is currently discerning a vocation to the permanent deaconate. You can find more of his work, okay, on www.saintsjourney.com. It's great. I like this. This is really uh, very well. There's, I think, another one which I want to... Uh, hold on. Okay, I found it. This one is Batman, Ash Wednesday, and the Power of Symbols. So let's check this one out. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I am flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed. But as a symbol, as a symbol, I can, I can be incorruptible. I can be everlasting. Bruce Wayne, Batman Begins. It's a cool, it's a cool one. In Batman Begins, after spending several years living in the life of criminal and training with the League of Shadows, Bruce Wayne returns to Gotham City. He realizes he can't fight the criminals who control the city as himself. He must become something else, a symbol. Google says a symbol is a thing that represents or stands for something else, especially something abstract. Symbols are all around us. They are stamped on the things we buy, like clothing and automobiles. They fly as flags over government buildings around the world. And yes, they even appear on costumes of our beloved superhero superheroes. But why do we use them? Okay, so why do we use use symbols symbols are powerful they invoke emotion they communicate a wealth of information that would otherwise require many words to say for example think about what a crucifix symbolizes to the person viewing it whether a believer or non-believer in the alternative think about what a nazi swastika symbolizes both symbols convey a wealth of information and evoke strong emotions in us Without any words, symbols say a lot. Didn't I mention in the, in the last one about uh, how people view things in the museum? Or like the Christmas tree at the Metropolitan. Uh, you get everybody there. Uh, people who believe and people who don't believe. 
people from different religions. You get Jews, Christians, atheists, Muslims. Everyone goes there and you get people who just basically look at it from an aesthetic beauty, but they don't bother to see the symbolism of it, the, the inner meaning. For some people, the meaning is deeper when they have faith. Okay, so, um, okay. This year, Lent begins on Ash Wednesday. This is actually uh, from, forgive me, I should have given the year. Okay, well, maybe it's, oh, who knows? Let's see, let's see. Sorry about that. This is for Abby from last year. It's February 26. Okay, this year, Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, uh, February 26. On that day, millions of Catholics all over the world will be marked with ashes on their foreheads, sometimes in the shape of a cross and sometimes just a black smudge. The ashes don't symbolize the piety or holiness of the person wearing them. In fact, the gospel reading on Ash Wednesday, Matthew 6, chapter 6, verse 1 to 6, warns against public display of piety. So why do we display them so prominently? Ashes are a symbol of penance, sin, and mortality. We don't wear them proudly. Look at me. I want a I went to church day. Instead, they are a public knowledge acknowledgement of our sinfulness, and and an admission that we need Jesus Christ for our salvation. When we wear ashes on Ash Wednesday, we are humbly we humbly communicate to the world, in solidarity with other Christians. I am weak, mortal sinner. And I need a savior to redeem me. Okay, great. In Batman Begins, Bruce Wayne tells Alfred that he chooses the symbol of the bat because bats frighten him and he wants his enemies to share his dread. Though the bat is a dark and ominous symbol, Batman uses it ultimately to point towards something good, justice and order. As Ash Wednesday approaches, remember, we don't wear ashes on our forehead as a symbol of dread or hopelessness, that we will remain slaves to sin, stuck in a, in a season of penance forever. Instead, we wear ashes in the spirit of penance, but looking forward with great, with great hope and in anticipation of what is to come on Easter Sunday, resurrection, life, mercy healing forgiveness and peace it's a very short article but it's a great one um this is by andrew garofalo and um it's great all right let me see if this is another one here because that was a short one let's check it out yes again is another uh batman article from voyage this one is what Batman and St. Anthony of Egypt teaches about overcoming fear. It's an interesting. Again, he goes here to um, Batman Begins. In the movie Batman Begins, a young Bruce Wayne falls into a well at Wayne Manor while playing with his friend Rachel Dawes. He fractures his leg and is terrified when a swarm of bats attack him from out of darkness of the surrounding caves. After Bruce's father, uh, after Bruce's father Wayne rescues Bruce from the well, and he tells Bruce the bats attacked him because they were afraid of him. Afraid of me? Asks Bruce. All creatures feel fear, even the scary ones, especially the scary ones. Replied Thomas Wayne. 
Thomas's words foreshadow not only that fear can be used against the criminals who terrorize the city of Gotham, but also that Batman, who will install fear in those same criminals, will experience his own fear, notwithstanding his courage and willingness to fight evil. Shortly after this, Bruce, Bruce's parents are murdered during a robbery. His father's last words are, Bruce, it's okay. Don't be afraid. Did Thomas really expect his his, his son alone uh, alone in the dark alley in the midst of lawless cities to simply steal his jaws and move on? Hadn't Thomas told Bruce a few minutes earlier in the movie that all creatures feel fear? So what did Thomas mean with his last words? He was telling Bruce, don't allow this to turn you into a bitter man. Don't allow this to stop you from growing into a person you are meant to be. Use it as bad as this is. It's going to be okay. In the parable of the 10 gold coins in St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verse, uh, verse 11 to 27, which is similar to the parable of the five talents in Matthew, chapter 25, verse 14 to 30, one of the king's servants fa fails to invest his gold coin given to him because he's afraid. Upon learning this, the king curses the servant and takes the gold coin away from him, leaving him with nothing. In the gospel, Jesus explicitly mentions fear. He told his disciples, have no fear and do not be afraid. But fear isn't something we can simply turn off to or, want, or wish away. Fear is part of the human experience. So what does Je Jesus expect of us? Bruce Wayne eventually, Bruce Wayne eventually re returns to the caves beneath Wayne Manor as an adult. When the bats swarm around him again, he stands peacefully in their midst, seeming to commune with them. Was he afraid? Probably a little, but he faced his fears signified by the bats and transcends them merging the object of his fears with himself and batman was born i remember that there was a moment when he did fidget it he got scared but he spread out his arms and he let them swarm around him it was a way of letting his fear there's a a scene also in dune where the character of dune because of the of the fear when um both the character of Paul Atreides and his mother, Jessica, Lady Jessica, where I will let the fear go through me. I will let the, I will not let the fear destroy me. I will not let the fear overcome me. The fear will go through me and there will be nothing, nothing left except me. The fear, in other words, the fear when we're afraid, we are all afraid. And when, when something comes in that we can't control, but once you get through the fear, you realize you made it. You've overcome the challenge. You've overcome the that which you're afraid. It's very interesting. It's very good. All right. On January 17th, we celebrate the feast of St. Anthony of Egypt. Not only did he battle Satan many times during his life, even suffering physical injuries from these encounters, but like Bruce Wayne, had done in the cave. St. Anthony purposely, uh, pur purposely went to dark and frightful places to combat the devil. St. Anthony went to live for a time in the tombs and, and also inside an abandoned fort seeking to battle Satan. I doubt he was always totally without fear, especially when he was alone in those dark 
in creepy places, but he faced the enemy and transcended whatever fears he had, which in the end caused Satan to flee from him. The parable of the ten gold coins and Bruce Wayne's story are a warning about the potentially paralyzing and corrupting effect fear can have on us. God doesn't expect us to be robotically fearless as if we can turn the fear switch on and off whenever we want. Like Thomas Wayne said, all creatures feel fear. However, we can't allow fear to paralyze or corrupt us, preventing us from growing into the saints God intends for us to be. We must face our fears and transcend them. After Jesus' crucifixion, the disciples hid for fear of the Jews in Gospel John chapter 20, verse 19. It was only after receiving the Holy Spirit at Pentecost they were, they were able to transcend their fears and begin their apostolic mission. You may not completely conquer your fears during your lifetime. Indeed, the fortitude of the likes of the martyrs is a special grace, which isn't going which isn't granted to all. But if you ask for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's help, you can transcend your fears so that they don't stand in the way of God, making you the saint he wants you to be. And then those things you fear the most will flee from you. These are really very good articles. Very well done. Um, it's really very well. I mean, I'm going to do more of these in the future. I think they're great. And it's a, this is a good way of actually catechizing and teaching people. It's using the symbols of the culture. And this is why superheroes are important because, you know, even someone like Captain America, who isn't exactly like Batman, but uses combat skills and everything, but still the virtues, the, the fortitude, the discipline, the dedication, these are things that we want, we desperately want, and we look, we create these mythological figures in our society because they're really about us. They say something about us and about our faith. Um, it's great. I think it's wonderful. Um, Mr. Garofalo, Andrew Garofalo, wrote a very beautiful article, article here. It's very small, but great. All right, good folks. Um, I'll end it here, and... Um, come back next time i'm going to try to read a chapter of the pilgrim the way of the pilgrim uh i promised i know it's been a while um i was sick for a while so uh you know this uh last week uh it turns out i was tested positive for covid it turns out i did have it but uh i'm better now all right so uh god bless folks and uh i'll come back soon